1: Yes, indeed. Welcome to the show. This is the Fret Files podcast. My name is Eric Daw. I am your friendly guitar scientist. With over 20 years of experience building and repairing guitars, this is a podcast about guitar repair, guitar building, guitar news, guitar science, guitar opinions, all kinds of good guitar stuff. Sitting beside me is my lovely wife and co-host, Melissa.
2: This is a question and answer episode where we will respond to listener-submitted emails. Mm -hmm. I will read the questions, and Eric will try to answer them. try
1: my best. We got a lot of good questions. Questions about guitar setups, questions about traveling with a guitar, Mm. questions about my preferences in acoustic guitars. I'm just kind of trying to scan through them here, because I haven't really read them much. Questions about locking nuts... Questions about laurel wood fingerboards. Questions about different pots and pot values. So we'll get into all of that.
2: But before we do, uh, what what do you have on your bench? What's on your bench?
1: I've been working on a lot of things. Namely, three... I have three custom-ordered guitars that I have more than that on order. But I'm working on three of them right now. Custom-ordered guitars. And they're all... Out of the paint booth. So they're, nice. they're just finished painting. They're painted. They're cured. Now I have to wet sand and buff and polish and assemble them. Cool. And age them. They're all going to be aged guitars. Rad. Did you know how controversial that practice is?
2: I have read questions that went on and on and on about that very... On this podcast? Very, yes, about that very controversy.
1: Yeah. A lot of people think it's really, really stupid. That's okay.
2: Do you yeah. think it's stupid?
1: I think that it uh, is great and uh, fun and profitable. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. Uh, yeah. So that's been the bulk of my time the last couple days. I've been doing a lot of fun repairs as well. I just did a neck reset on a Harmony Hollywood. That was interesting. Those are weird because, uh, the, the fingerboards are painted. They're kind of a blonde wood. I don't know what they are. Birch or something. Uh-huh. I don't know. Mystery birch. Uh, and, uh, they're painted to look like rosewood, but they're not. And the paint, you can't, mm. you can't really, so you can't, you know, with rosewood, you could, there's a lot of things you can do, like level out the fingerboard or do this or that or touch it up. Oh, yeah. If, you know, there's nothing you can do. it. you a,
2: couldn't do that.
1: Yeah, they're, it's painted, and the fret markers are big rectangular blocks of paint.
2: Oh, they're just painted on? Yeah, the wow. fret markers
1: are painted on. So there's kind of, it's, there's really no messing around with those. You can't...
2: You can't fudge any mistakes. Cheat
1: any, yeah, you can't do any creative repair work because... Uh, if you did, you'd have to repaint the whole fingerboard, and that wow. would be yeah, that wouldn't look right no. ever. Anyhow, that's what I've been working on. A lot of pickup rewinds, making custom pickups. Cool. Yeah. What What have you been working on?
2: Uh, I have a a custom order guitar strap, Tele pick guard combo mm-hmm. for kind of an exciting, famous guy. Oh, cool. Kind of. A, Do you want to say who? Uh,
1: if you don't, that's cool.
2: I don't know. I don't. I didn't ask him if it was okay to tell people I was making it for him.
1: Yeah, let's not.
2: Yeah, I will next ne- next time around. If uh, yeah, I'll talk to him about it. Yeah, all right. Yeah,
1: That sounds good. Uh, shall we get into some uh, some questions here? Oh no, wait a minute. Do we, we have a call. Yes, we O-M-G. have a call. Uh, hi, Eric and
0: Melissa. Uh, this has been from Seattle. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to say thanks to Eric for making that, uh, that Esquire for my brother, uh, a while back. Oh, uh, yeah. He really liked that. Good, you're welcome. Thank uh, you. and I just was calling today though, uh, to follow up on the discussion about the split post tuners. Uh, there was some discussion, Eric, most of those people who would leave the, uh, the tail of the string left on, and Eric was, he would refuse to do that for his customers. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to mention I have a theory about why people might want to do that, which is I was watching the because um, the Ernie Ball YouTube uh, page recently, and they were interviewing Johnny Marr, and he mentioned that uh, when he was broke, he would take a safety pin, tie it on the end of a broken string, instead of the ball head, and reuse that string uh, with the tail there. So maybe mm-hmm. you leave the tail on to keep to keep a uh, length. You're yeah. string usable as you slowly break it further and further down. Uh anyways, just a theory. I think that's crazy. Uh have a good one guys. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Thank you for calling. Yeah, I understand that, you know. And I, did I really say that I w- that I wouldn't do that, that? I would refuse to do that? Yes. Jeez. Those
2: words came out of your mouth. Well,
1: you know, that's probably not true. I'm actually the most friendly guy you'll ever <laughs> talk to. If you bring me a guitar, I'm, I'll am i bend over back. I'll do whatever you want, really. You know, within reason. If you want me to leave your strings long, that's fine. I must have just been in a bad mood. That's the thing about this podcast. Any given podcast, you're getting my snapshot. It's a moment in time of where my brain's at. My opinions change, you know, just like anybody, right? And sometimes you feel like, Having a chocolate ice cream cone, sometimes you feel like having a vanilla ice cream cone, right?
2: Here you are talking about ice cream again.
1: So any given podcast is just a snapshot of my brain on that day. And any opinions that come out of my mouth, they might be different the next day. So, you know, take everything with a grain of salt, right? The science shouldn't change. When we get really down to like the nitty-gritty brass tacks of guitar science... That stuff is more set in stone. My opinions are uh, just for your amusement. There you go. But thank you for the call. Appreciate that. That's that's good stuff. Uh, is it time for some uh, some emails? Yeah, let's All do right. it. Letters. We get letters.
2: We get stacks Listening to the latest episode, I was thinking about your comments to a relative beginner about trying out different guitars in order to find out what kind of fingerboard radius, neck profile, and fret size he likes so that he can order a custom guitar. Mm, Yes. One thing I'd like to add to this is this. Uh, Make sure that you're comparing guitars that have been set up. If you compare a guitar with big frets that has nice action to a guitar that has small frets but high action, you'll think you like big frets but for the wrong reason. In other words, make sure you are comparing guitars that all play well. Otherwise, you won't be able to tell the nuanced difference of all the fine details. (laughs) Love the show. Thanks, Glenn.
1: Glenn, thank you so much for writing this. Because I I almost can't believe that I neglected to say that in my uh, initial conversation, in my initial answer. Mm -hmm. But this is such a salient point. You're right. You're absolutely right on track. Cool. You got to compare guitars that have been set up if you really want to get down to uh the differences in feel in frets and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's always something to consider. You know, I I have I've talked to a lot of people who th- they they thought that they they didn't like a guitar.
0: Mm-hmm. That they'd had
1: for years. I've never liked this guitar. I'm just gonna probably sell it, and so they'll bring it to me to set it up and get it ready to sell.
2: And then they love and then it. they
1: get it back, and they're like, "Holy crap! I didn't know this thing play could play so well." <laughs> you gotta get them set up. It's not. It's it's probably not just the guitar. You know, there, there's I I see that so often. So yeah. Get those guitars set up, and if you don't want to pay somebody to do it, then learn how to do it. That's all. Right thank, on. Thank you, Glenn. Shall we take another question?
2: I have a query that might be interesting for your podcast. That query? query? Query. Query? Query? I you thought said, I knew that word. What did co- I say?
1: I think you said Corey.
2: I did not say query. Corey.
1: I didn't sounded like query. it. Query. Here's a question.
2: Here's a question that might be interesting for your podcast. I am planning on hiking from Mount Shasta to the Canadian border this summer on the Pacific Crest Trail. Having done two other such long trips on the PCT, I am always desperately missing my guitar while hiking. All the backpacking guitars are total trash to me, and I am not so affluent that that a $2,000 carbon fiber guitar would be a possibility. Also, plastic guitars are an affront to nature. Yes, it's true. I have purchased an inexpensive Recording King Dirty 30s parlor guitar expressly for this journey. Those are great. Do you have any advice on how I can keep this guitar playable whilst living in nature? I am planning on wrapping it in my down jacket at night. That should keep condensation off. Should I detune it every night as well because of the temperature drop? Should I be wary of the extended exposure to direct sunlight? I don't care about the finish. I just want to keep it playable." Keep in mind that ounces are precious for backpackers, so I won't be carrying any kind of case. Postscript: I'm real behind on the pod, so please let me know if you use my question, so I can skip ahead and check oh. it out.
1: Well, that's not going to happen. Yeah. sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I have things to do. <laughs> yeah, people, I can't be your podcast butler. <laughs> uh, no, the reason I can't do that is because I already d- deleted your email. But uh,
2: also. There's no name on it. Well,
1: I know. I could find it if I really... But that's the thing. I can't, I just can't... I have... I'm sorry. I can't do that. You're <laughs> going to have to listen. I'm going to send you some... Uh, brainwaves. Some brainwaves right now. I'm using your question, buddy. Listen to the latest pod. I don't have much advice for you anyway, so it won't do you much good. It's kind of one of those questions like, um, how, you know, how would I take care of a guitar in space or something. I just, I don't know, because I've never been asked this, I've never thought about it. I don't know, but I guess we'll just look at it from this point of view. It's going to be an extreme environment compared to how the guitar would normally live, right? So, um, let's keep it covered. Now, I know you don't want to take any kind of bag or case, but what if you wrapped it in plastic? That wouldn't be hardly any weight.
2: But don't make, well, you... I feel like plastic would make it a, a little oven, and if if the sun's on his back where the guitar is, then it would just cook and warp terribly.
1: Well, what if it rains? Yeah, I don't know. I don't have. I honestly, I don't. I don't have much help for you with this because that's not what a guitar was made for. <laughs> uh, to be perfectly, <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you, uh, it falls under the category of. You know, like voiding your warranty. <laughs> Sorry.
2: Hello, Eric and Melissa. My question refers to a comment Eric made in passing to a question from Aaron in Turkey. Aaron mentioned his D18 and wondered if a bone nut would be an advisable upgrade. Weird, incidentally, that Martin should put a plastic nut in some of their guitars. Yeah. And by weird, I mean downright disgraceful. They also put one in my M thirty six. Any online spec I read says it's a bone nut, but it's plastic. Yeah. Anyway, I recall Eric said something like, Well, for a start, I wouldn't own a D eighteen, something no. like that.
1: Did I say that? You uh, say
2: a lot of things. Yeah, that's... So I was just wondering which acoustic guitar Eric guitars Eric likes and why. Many thanks for the great podcast. Kind regards, Ashley from Ireland.
1: Thank you, Ashley. Uh I don't I don't know why I said that. I don't know what the context was. I would own a D18. I like Martins. Here's the thing with me. Here you have to understand that in my line of work I get to play all kinds of guitars. So I've played I don't know hundreds of D18s. I've played all kinds of Martins, vintage ones and new ones. Um, and anything in between D18s, D28s, D35s. And so I get to spend a lot of time with a lot of guitars that most players would never get to. I'm, I'm experiencing new guitars every day, multiple new guitars every day. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in a sense, that kind of satisfies the innate craving that a guitarist has to like you know try different guitars and we had to, we had to pause the show cuz there's like there's an ice cream truck going by i couldn't talk i couldn't think because there's this sound in my head like from a horror movie i thought it was coming from the boy's room anyhow what are we, what was i saying so I get to play all kinds of guitars, so uh, your average guitar player doesn't get to. So, uh, you know, I don't own a D18, but I've got, you know, plenty of experience playing them, right? So I don't feel like I ever want one. But here's the thing. Almost every guitar I own, I have come by uh, on a chance thing. Right. It's, it's either a guitar that I picked up for cheap to restore and then fell in love with it, or it's a guitar that a customer brought me to repair, but they didn't, they decided they didn't want to repair it, so they sold it to me, or it's a guitar I found at a thrift store or a pawn shop, or it's a guitar that was left to me by someone, or it's a guitar that, um, somebody gave me. I I haven't walked into a guitar store and bought a guitar for over 10 years. I have plenty of guitars and I'm, I buy how many guitars do I buy lately? It's oh, like I buy... one a week? At least. Uh, but I'm also selling guitars too, right? So um, I would own a D18. I just haven't chanced upon one yet. But it's not like I go on Reverb and order one or walk into a guitar store and buy one. All Every guitar I own, I happen upon because of what I do for a living. So it's not... You know, I'm I'm kind of an anomaly in that regard. I'm I'm not your average guitar customer, like thinking about hmm, what do I want to buy? Yeah. You know, I I just kind of <laughs> things just kind of land on me, like out of the clear blue sky, and then either I keep them or I don't. Right. But that being said, um, the guitars that I like, if you're gonna compare the two main American guitar companies. When it comes to acoustic guitars, Gibson and Martin, I would prefer a Gibson. If you, if you want to ask it that way.
2: Well, there you go. Yeah,
1: there you go. Thank <clears throat> you, Ashley.
2: Eric and Melissa, thanks for the effort you two put towards the podcast. I'm submitting a couple non related questions for possible inclusion. Mm-hmm. Number one, in short, how do you assess a next tone quality prior to the build? And number two, wait, s- uh oh, one at a time?
1: Yeah. In short, how do you assess a neck's tone quality prior to the build? Uh, In short, I don't. There you go. Yeah.
2: Uh, Is that really all you have to say about it?
1: Well, there's different... You have to remember, the guitars that I'm building are bolt-on neck, maple-necked electric guitars. Yeah. And the, the neck's don't make a huge, in my opinion uh, tone difference from one to the next. They have truss rods um, which you know, makes them behave a certain way I, All right. Yeah, I don't think that it makes a big enough difference that I really put much thought into it uh, into the tonal quality of a neck. I'm thinking more about is it straight, is it nice wood, things like that Cool. Is it dried properly?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Number two, several years ago, I had a setup done on a guitar that had a behind-the-nut lock. The boys at the shop removed it as they said it wasn't necessarily necessary, and frankly, I don't want to deal with it. Am I losing anything besides increased tuning stability? The bridge is a standard Fender Strat 6-saddle bent steel. It is an 85 contemporary 2-humbucker Gibson scale. Hmm. Dave that's from Dave Hagman.
1: Thanks, Dave. Uh yeah, no, you're not losing out on anything. Throw throw away those nut lock deals. That's my opinion. There you go. I don't like uh nutlock guitars. I
2: hate nutlocks. Not my thing. Yeah. Uh, Eric and Melissa, I hope you're enjoying a, the start to a nice Idaho fall summer. We're starting to get sun here in Seattle.
0: Hmm.
2: I recently picked up a guitar with an Indian laurel fretboard. It looks surprisingly like rosewood. It's a little lighter in color and a little duller in appearance. I think it looks better than the Pau Ferro fretboards i have seen question should i treat it exactly like rosewood should i use fretboard oil will it darken up what are your thoughts that's from zach in seattle
1: thanks zach yeah you 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 know treat it like any unfinished wood so you'll oil it from time to time it probably won't ever darken up with oil um the laurel wood ones that i've seen even when you oil them they still look dry after you oil them it's just a different wood there's it's my guess is, and I'm not a you know what would a wood specialist be called? A, probably a wood specialist.
2: <laughs> Somebody who really really likes wood. Uh,
1: I'm not a wood specialist by any means, <laughs> but my guess is that laurel doesn't have the oil content that that rosewood has. Mm-hmm. Rosewood's kind of a what's it, what's another what's the word I'm looking for? Not oily, but uh, uh, resin. Doesn't Re- have the resinous? resin like it's it's kind of a dry wood so it just looks dry and it will be dry even though you can you oil it and it might darken up a hair and it might look a little bit more saturated but it's probably always going to look light and dry you could try and I haven't tried this but you could try buffing it that'll give it a little bit of shine or it should that'll give it a little bit of shine and might make it look a little Nicer and put a little bit of shine to it so it looks a little like Shiny. it has more resin in it. I don't know. You could try it. And sometimes that darkens him up, too, when you when you buff them. I like to buff rosewood fingerboards. Makes them look real nice. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Zach. Shall we take a break? Let's do it. We'll be right back.
2: As you may already know, I make custom leather guitar straps. I hand make each strap from start to finish. I start with a hide of some of the finest vegetable tan leather on the market. Each hide is chosen for exceptional quality, color, and grain. If you haven't been to my website lately, you need to check it out. I've got a bunch of new strap designs and colors listed with more on the way. If you don't see the perfect strap, contact me with your custom order idea. Visit melcoleather.com to seek examples of custom orders I've done in the past. If you're a dealer, I offer competitive wholesale pricing. Email melcoleather at gmail.com for details. Find me on Facebook, Instagram, and of course, Etsy. If you're listening to this, you get 15% off when you enter code FRETFILES at checkout at melcoleather.com. That's M E L C O leather.com.
1: Oh, I'm not just doing this show for my health. If you need some help with your guitar, if you have a repair you need some help with, if you have a pickup that needs to be rewound, anything at all guitar-related, just let me know. I would love to help you. People send me repairs from all over the states. Not everybody has a tech in their area. Not everybody has a luthier they can trust especially if it comes to something kind of complicated, if you're, you know, refretting a vintage guitar or, or resetting the neck on a old Martin or something like that. Those are the kind of things you don't want to just trust to anybody. I would love to help you out. Let me know. You can contact me through my website, ericdaw.com, or you can give me a call at 208-557-4329.
2: Eric, Melissa, and kiddos. I hope you're all well. Thanks for your advice on my old J45 through saddle. I've taken your good advice and left well alone. Sadly, I've ended up with far more serious issues. In fact, my very own horror story. Oh. I have purchased a 1941 Martin double 17 privately knowing fully all of the guitar's many repairs and imperfections, such as crack repairs, refinish, replace saddles, tuners, need for neck reset, etc. The seller was very honest and forthcoming with all my requests for photos and details. Considering all its special features, we agreed on a price I was happy with. On arrival, I find the headstock now has a crack. This was very upsetting, as this was one of the rare parts of the guitar that was in good shape. (laughs) If that wasn't enough to totally deflate my excitement, then I noticed the fretboard has almost totally detached from the neck. Oh, dear. I've contacted the seller, and thankfully, he is looking into the matter. I believe the guitar has been dropped before putting in the case as there is no sign of damage to the case or the cardboard box. Unless I receive some sort of compensation, I feel like I'm throwing good money after bad and would be better trying to return to sender that's if he'll agree to return my money it's so hard to find guitars like this in australia i f- also feel if i return it i may get another i may never get another chance to own a f- 1940s martin once uh. once again i'd love to know your thoughts before i go eric congratulations on your amazing and tasteful restoration of the barn find esquire oh thank you it could not have found its way to a better set of hands absolutely bloody beautiful job also, your pronunciation of... Deleniquin? Denili... De, den denil, oh, I wasn't looking at the... Deniliquin.
1: I wasn't looking at the paper.
2: Oh, okay. Deniliquin. Deniliquin. <laughs> Was as if you were a local. Oh, there you go. Sorry, Melissa. Yours not so good. Yeah. Uh, Man, I wish you guys were local. I could certainly use you in town now to rectify my new sad Martin. Aww. Thank you guys for all you do to the benefit of guitar players worldwide. Huh. Take care, Andy. Daniloquin, Australia. Dan- Thanks, Andy. Daniliquin.
1: Thank you, Andy. Man, that's a bummer about your Martin. He says he bought it privately, so I'm assuming... Well, but he says it was shipped also, so I'm wondering if he got it on Reverb. Or eBay or something. Yeah. But he says privately, so I assume not. I don't know. It's hard to say. I've been selling guitars on Reverb lately. And I really like a few features on of Reverb. And so if you're going to if you're going to shop for guitars and have them shipped for you, uh if you, if you're not already, then do Reverb, not eBay. I'm mad at eBay. Do you know what eBay did to me? Andy, I swear I will get around to some of your uh, your issues here, but
2: Tell us about eBay.
1: eBay shut down my account. I had no auctions going on. Mm -hmm. I hadn't bought anything for weeks. Mm -hmm. Out of a clear blue sky, they shut down my account and they said, sorry, we're shutting down your account because we just shut down this other account and we think that your account is linked to that account. Wow. And so I called them and I said, my account is not linked to that account that you shut down my account is mine and mine only I'm the only one that has access to it and I don't have access to that other account that you're talking about and uh, they said sorry too bad call PayPal because according to PayPal there are multiple emails on your PayPal and one of them is from this other account I called PayPal I couldn't get it rectified PayPal was very nice, way nicer than eBay. You ever tried to call eBay? No. Well, let me tell you something. They're not very friendly. Aw. So I'm mad at eBay, and I might not ever use them again. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, aside from selling, <clears throat> it's it's really where broken guitars go to languish and be sold again and again and again. Yeah. Reverb. Here's the beautiful thing about Reverb. When I sell a guitar on reverb, they uh, offer their own insurance. So this isn't the UPS um, insurance that doesn't account for much. This is reverb's insurance. So I sell a guitar, I pay reverb whatever nominal fee, and that's insurance, and then I send the guitar. And if the buyer gets the guitar and has some kind of problem with it, uh, you know, it got damaged or whatever, they take it up with Reverb, not me. Wow. And Reverb takes care of it because I bought insurance. And that's better for the buyer, too, because Reverb understands guitars, unlike UPS or FedEx. Or eBay. Or eBay. So use Reverb if you're going to go buy... A 1941 Martin 0017. Maybe Andy bought it on Reverb. I don't know. He said he bought it privately. Anyhow, I'm mad at Reverb. Er, I'm, at, I'm mad at eBay, and I don't think any of our listeners should use eBay ever again. <laughs> I know that'll work. I mean, they're going to be calling me like as soon as the show ends. Eric, we're so sorry. <laughs> we're so sorry.
2: We've restored your account, and we've given you $10,000. They, they
1: shut down my former... Place of Works eBay account, and I'll tell you why. It's not They didn't do anything wrong. They're a store. So they have their guitars listed on Reverb, on eBay, on their website. People come in even off the street, and they buy guitars. Right. Right? Right. And so when one of the guitars sells that they had listed, but it didn't sell on eBay, then they have to close the auction, because it sold elsewhere. Right. eBay said that they're using eBay as an advertising platform and then selling the guitar out from under eBay. Wow. But they're a store. Right. So apparently if you do that, like if you if you cancel five auctions in a week or something like that, then they shut down your account. So they shut down this store's account, and uh, just like collateral damage... Shut down my account, too. I had nothing to do with any of this. Wow. I'm so mad.
2: And there's still been no resolution? How many times have you talked to customer service?
1: I've sent them emails. i talked to them only on the phone only once. Um, but I've sent them emails. And then they sent me a survey. <laughs> They sent me a survey. How was your experience with customer service? Zero, zero, zero. Unhappy. Very unhappy. How likely are you to use eBay in the future? Very unlikely. So, you know, somebody somewhere, is re- I assume, reads that those. Yeah. And they should be contacting me. They're not going to. They're just going to, f- I'm just going to have a shut down eBay account for the rest of my life. It's terrible. After all the money I made for them.
2: So back to this double lot seventeen.
1: I'm sorry. Yes.
2: It. He's. I think he, what he's asking is, is it worth it to keep this guitar?
1: I don't know what you paid for it, Andy. Those are all problems that are. I'm sure you know this. They're all repairable. I don't know if you do your own work or if you've got a luthier there. But um, you know, this is a guitar you 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 can. This is still salvageable. You can you can have this repaired. If you if you feel like you paid too much for how damaged the guitar is, then that's another issue, you know, uh, then return it. Yeah. Really.
2: If if somebody brought you a Martin Double Lot 17 that had crack repairs, uh replaced saddles, tuners, neck reset and the net, the headstock was broken, would you would you take that repair on?
1: It needs a neck reset.
2: Needs a neck reset and the headstock is broken. Yeah. Well yeah, so it says crack repairs, it hasn't refinish, uh replace that so it mostly it's like it's already been repaired stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's the, just Well not the problem
1: original. is the problem is for Andy that it showed up with these problems that hadn't been disclosed. Right broken headstock is a big deal right yeah and he sent me pictures of it and it's not pretty
2: is it really like bad and then he sent me a picture
1: yeah he sent me a picture of he had a piece of paper completely between the fingerboard and the neck
2: whoa that's not good right that's not good
1: so i mean it's it's bad Hmm. yeah return that guitar andy you can find a better one
2: well, I don't see why I mean why not buy one from the u s if you can't find one in australia they ship do you know how expensive
1: sh- do you know how expensive it is to ship back and forth from Australia?
2: I do not know that
1: it's a lot
2: <laughs> okay
1: it's a lot uh the last time I shipped a guitar to Australia, it was something like four hundred dollars
2: Wow, ouch
1: if I remember right, it's been years that could be I don't remember I don't remember
2: all right I think we've spent enough time on this question I spent
1: enough time not answering that question let's (laughs) let's go on to the next one
2: thanks Andy hi Eric and Melissa I thought I understood pots, but apparently not. Here's the big question. When experimenting with pot values to brighten or darken the sound of a pickup, what is the relationship between the volume and tone pot values? Does one have more tonal impact than the other, or do they both influence the sound equally? Do they always need to be the same value? For instance, if you ran a 1-meg volume pot with a 500K on the tone, would the 500K dial back or negate the benefit of the 1-meg volume pot? If so, how much?
1: This is getting deep, dude. I know, I
2: can't. I'm, I'm reading it, but it's yeah. not. I don't know.
1: Context. The D'Armond 2K neck pickup on my D'Armond M75T photo-attached. Always seemed a bit too muffled, so I replaced the 500k volume and tone pots with 1Meg CTS pots. It helped open up the sound as I hoped it would. However, the taper of the 1Meg tone pot was useless. Hardly any change, rolling back 80%, then a quick drop to mud. I assume this is a function of the wider range of the 1Meg pot.
2: I used the uh, 0.022 capacitor that had been paired with the stock 500k pot, that shouldn't make a difference on this issue, right? Since cap value just affects what frequencies are being filtered out as you roll the back the pot and not the taper. So I tried switching just the tone pot back to 500k, which restored the taper I'm used to, but sacrificed some of the high-end I had gained with the 1 meg even with it wide open. For now, I just have the tone circuit disconnected on the neck pickup. I could stick with that, but I don't like the idea of being entirely without a tone control. I'm not one of those constant knob-fiddling players, but I will roll back the tone a bit in some situations. Should I try a no-load 500k pot? Any insight or advice is welcome. Having now caught up on all your episodes, I know you fielded a lot of questions about pots, but I don't think this has come up. Thanks in advance. Love the work you both do, and thanks for sharing it with the world. That's from Brannon in the cornfields of Indiana.
1: Thank you, Brannon. Yeah. Thanks for listening. You know, people always thank us. We should be thanking you. Yeah. There's a lot of questions in here. Let me get out my uh, highlighter and my abacus, (laughs) and uh, we'll go through here one at a time. What is the relationship between volume and tone pot values? Does one have more tonal impact than the other, or do they both influence sound equally? Well, the volume pot uh, has more to do with it. The way that they're wired, the volume pot is a resistor going directly to ground, and then as you turn the pot up and down, it moves a wiper up and down along a carbon path and adjusts the amount of resistance so there's only a resistor. With the tone control, there's a resistor and a capacitor. So same deal, you're moving the pot back and forth, and the wiper goes back and forth across to a resistor, but that's not shunted straight to ground. It's filtered through a capacitor. So it only takes high frequencies. So uh, the uh, volume pot has way more to do with it. And he says, what else? Do they always need to be the same value? No, there's plenty of guitars that have like a 500k this and a 1 meg that. Uh, if you ran a 1 meg volume pot and a 500k tone, would the 500k tone negate the benefit of the 1-meg volume pot. No, not so much. Maybe a little bit, but um at the end of his other uh dissertation, he says, shall I try a no-load 500k pot for the tone? Yes, I think that you should, and I think that that's a brilliant solution. Apparently you like the 1-meg volume pot. That's great. Make sure that you're using, by the way, make sure you're using audio taper pots.
2: As opposed to...
1: As opposed to linear. Ah. Because the linear, that's what a linear pot will do. You'll turn it and turn it and turn it, and nothing, 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 and then at the very end, all of a sudden, you get...
2: Get blasted?
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> all of a sudden, you get mud, you know, at the end of the tone pot mm. taper. So you might have had a linear <coughs> pot in there, but yeah... Um, probably not because it's just the, yeah yeah it's just the nature of there's a, a lot more travel there hmm. because it's one meg so yeah i would i would say absolutely you answered your own question try a no load 500k pot for the tone and see if see if you like that that sounds good
2: cool thanks brandon
1: thanks brandon
2: Hello, Eric and Mel. I have a question regarding changing strings on my national single-cone resonator with a biscuit bridge. I have been changing the strings one at a time so the bridge doesn't move and mess with the intonation. How do I change all the strings without having the bridge move? Thanks again. Chris from Portland, Oregon.
1: Thanks, Chris. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know if you can. There's there's the cover over the cone uh here's here's what i'm going to say rather than rather than ask the question like that let's say let's let's say this instead of worrying about how you can change the strings without needing to re-intonate it why don't you learn how to intonate it because To me, you know, every time I change strings on something like that, I'm going to want to re-intonate it anyway. It's honestly not hard to do, especially on a a single cone resonator where there's really not much travel on that. You know, the cone can slide back and forth just a little bit, and it can also rotate, right? So you can kind of adjust which way the saddle is fanning to get proper Mm -hmm. intonation. But with an accurate tuner all you need to do is get the A as close as possible and the B as close as possible because you have one saddle it's not like you have six saddles like a Strat or something right all you can do is intonate it it's 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 a compromise all you can do is intonate it the best you can and so what I do is intonate the A string and the B string and then um, that's as close as you can get it so just use an accurate tuner and re-intonate it every time you, you redo that. That's what I would say. Cool. I know. How does that work? Real good. Well, that's all the questions we have, but we still have a little time. Do you want to play a game?
2: Oh, no. Okay.
1: Sure. So, uh, this is something that I wrote a long time ago, and I, I want to do this. Uh, I we, We've never really used it because it's I never got a chance to, but...
2: Yeah, I don't want to do this. Well, though. we're
1: gonna do it. So let's let's uh, let's do this. Uh, so I it's called. I don't want to do this. It's called Who Said It. Uh. This is something I wrote a while ago. So that, what you have to do is guess who said this. Oh
2: no!
1: Uh, this is like this is like uh, a little a little quiz game, and and the listener can can play along at mm. home. Okay, so, Jack White, BB King, <laughs> or Muddy Waters. One of these is not like <laughs> the others. Uh, this is kind of like, can you tell the difference between Colonel Sanders butter packets and a nice quality uh, Amish made hand churned butter? Okay. Okay. Jack White's the butter packet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just in case You're, you were wondering, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> okay, these are quotes. <laughs>
2: Is one of them <laughs> Jack White's "The Butter Packet"?
1: Yeah. These are quotes, and one of these per- one of these people said this quote. You have to guess who said it: Jack White, BB King, or Muddy Waters. Are you ready to play? Now, you at home or in the car? Get ready to play with Melissa. Uh, she does okay. not want to do this, so you have to help her.
2: Okay, here we go.
1: I keep guitars that are, you know, the neck's a little bit bent and it's a little bit out of tune. <sighs> I want to work it and battle it and conquer it and make it express whatever attitude I have that, at that moment. I want it to be a struggle. Now, who said that? Was it Muddy Waters? Jack, Jack White. White. or no, BB that was
2: Jack White. That's right. Because it sounds so lame.
1: Thank you. (laughs) That Mississippi sound, that Delta sound is in my records. You can hear it all the way through. Now, who said that? Baby King. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Who is it? Well, you have more guesses. Muddy Waters. That's right. Okay. Muddy Waters, BB King, or Jack White, who said this? If you have 20 guys in the room and you just bring in one girl... You change the entire mood, and everyone plays different.
2: Jeez. Well, Jack White played with his sister, so I feel like he would not say that. BB
1: King. Mm. I'm sorry, it was Jack White. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. Good old Jack White. <laughs> I started to like blues. I guess when I was about six or seven years old, there was something about it because nobody else played that kind of music.
2: This is ridiculous. (laughs) Baby King. Yes!
1: (laughs) Yes, it was Baby King.
2: How many have I gotten right so far? (laughs) Uh,
1: Two? I can only remember one at a time, (laughs) and you got that one right. I got up one Christmas morning, and we didn't have nothing to eat. (laughs) We didn't, we didn't have an apple, we didn't have an orange, we didn't have a cake, <laughs> we didn't have nothing.
2: Well, I'm going to assume that that's not Jack White.
1: Wouldn't it be funny that if it was? That would be so funny. That's, I think that that's how he thinks of himself.
2: That's Muddy Waters.
1: That's right. Are you looking at the computer? I
2: can't. I am blind. I cannot Take see that. Take off your glasses. I can't see it anyway.
1: Okay. All right. Who said this? Was it B.B. King? Muddy Waters or Jack White. Are you ready? <laughs> you are so mad right now. You hate this. This is fun. I okay. wrote this like three years ago. I
2: am so happy been, to be participating. I've been right waiting now.
1: for a short episode where we could put this at the end for you to know, have a little fun.
2: Thank Christ. This I know I'm sure that was so and the, short.
1: the listeners are loving this. Okay. This is a fun quiz game. The fact that we elected Obama was a sign that the black struggle inherent in the blues and so much of the music I have loved can triumph. I'm not...
2: I... <laughs> Baby King was dead by then, right? N- no. How, when... Is he still alive? Do you
1: want to hear the quote again? Yes. The fact that we elected Obama was a sign that the black struggle inherent in the blues. <laughs> and so, I'm sorry, I'm laughing because it's Jack White.
2: <laughs> They've tuned out by now. Yeah,
1: this show's over. Okay, if there's... Okay, one more. Oh. <laughs> if there were no ladies... I wouldn't want to be on the planet.
2: (laughs) Me neither.
1: Ladies, friends, and music. You know, the fascinating thing is, if there were no ladies, he wouldn't be on the planet. Okay, let's take take this again. (laughs) If, If there was no ladies, I wouldn't want to be on the planet. Ladies, friends, and music. Without those three, I wouldn't want to be here.
2: That's Baby King.
1: Yes! You're good at this.
2: I just I just
1: agree with Baby King. I've always felt it's ridiculous to say of any of the females in my life, you're my friend, you're my wife, you're my girlfriend, you're my coworker." This is your box, and you're not allowed to stray outside of it. What? A... Are
2: you reading a quote, or are you just talking?
1: <laughs> I wouldn't say. Yeah, this is a quote. This is the most condescending thing I've ever heard anybody say. I've always felt it's ridiculous to say, of any of the females in my life, you're my friend, you're my wife. Yes!
2: I can tell because of the the venom that you're reading it with.
1: I'm so sorry. By the way, if you like Jack White, my apologies. I think
2: probably most of our listeners like Jack White. Why? Because he's a popular person of today.
1: But this is a guitar podcast. Thanks for the show! (laughs) Uh, thanks for listening to the show. <laughs> thanks for listening. We uh,
2: thanks for the show too. Yeah. Thanks for
1: the show. Thanks for playing along with the, my silly quiz game. It's just fun. It was a blast. By the way, stop using eBay. We'll see you <laughs> next time. I don't know how do I normally close the show.
2: If you want to participate in the show, oh my
1: God, that would be so great if you would do that
2: i don't know it i don't know the line you oh, tell it
1: if you want to participate in the show you can do that by going to Ericdaw.com. that's e-r-i-c-d-a-w.com click the contact link and submit your question or comment there we'll use it as part of the show the only thing is i won't i won't be able to email you and tell you that we're using your your question
2: <laughs> sorry mystery dude good luck on your hike sorry
1: mystery hiker The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. We just ask that you do not ask questions about or pertaining to Jack White. (laughs) 757-774-8482. We'll see you next time. Thank you.
2: Good night.